Welcome back to the Worldview Minute. Pastor Levi Secord here as we are unpacking the problem of forgiveness. If you remember our last episode, we talked about the reality that forgiveness is a moral question. Right? How we identify the problem of our world it will identify the savior, the solution that we look for. And if our problem is primarily moral, then our solution must deal with the root moral issues. And that's what we find in the gospel of Jesus Christ. But we have this problem of justice versus forgiveness. Is how can we punish sin or punish an evil? Or, well, that's the easy part. But how do we forgive it without actually giving into injustice? Because justice says this punishment is what is earned, what is due to an individual. And yet Christianity is a religion that both upholds justice and also posits forgiveness as a good thing. So how does God respond to people who are sinners by nature and by choice, that we were by nature children of wrath, born with sinful natures, but that we have also been willing and choosing of sin. And that's where we left the problem in our last episode, is how do we have forgiveness? How can God deal with the sin of man? How does God redeem man without being unjust? That is going to determine the type of Savior we are looking for. And we're going to find the solution for that in a couple different places, one of them being Colossians chapter 2. Now, the book of Ephesians and the book of Colossians are often considered sister letters. That is, they contain a lot of the same things. And in Colossians 2, we get this, this echoing of what we read in Ephesians 2, that we were dead in our trespasses and our sins, that we were dead. What is the punishment for sin? It is death. Not just physical death, but spiritual eternal death. Because the wages of sin is death, being separated from God, and the punishment is determined by the severity of the crime committed, as we pointed out in the last episode. The killing, the unjust killing of a cat will get you one sentence. The unjust killing of a human will get you a greater sentence because the sin, the wrong, the evil has been committed against a greater thing, a greater, more worthwhile object. Well, to sin against an eternal God is to incur an eternal debt. It is eternal death. So even physical death is but a foretaste of eternal death the wages of our sin, the payment due, the justice demands that kind of payment for our sin. How will God deal with that? How will God not let Satan win? How will God redeem his creation? Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 through 15. And you were dead in your trespasses in the uncircumcision of your flesh. God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities, and he put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him, that is, in Christ. So how does God deal with our moral problem? How can he forgive us without just winking at sin? How can God be both just and the justifier, as Romans 3.26 says? Let me read that to you quickly. It, it was to show, speaking of Christ's work, it was to show his, that's God's righteousness at the present time, so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus Christ. So the ancients wrestled with a question that you and I don't often wrestle with. The, the moral problem wasn't, why doesn't God forgive anyone? But why doesn't God punish everyone? How can God be a just God while forgiving people who are rightly guilty and do a punishment for their sin? How is God just? Well, Romans 3.26 says he is both the just, he's just, he's righteous, he's full of justice, and the justifier. That is, he makes people just. He makes people righteous of the one who has faith in Jesus Christ. Well, Colossians 3 
13 through 15, give us the answer. How does God do this? How does he solve the problem of forgiveness? He solves it by Jesus Christ paying the penalty due for our sin. Right? God made us alive together with him, having forgiven us all of our trespasses, all of our sins. How? By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. But we all have a debt that has legal demands. Justice cries out that we should be punished. How does he do this? This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him, that is, in Christ. So God took our sin debt and he literally nailed it to the cross in Jesus Christ. And this gets us to the heart of the question. How does God do this? What type of savior do we need? We need Jesus Christ. We need the God-man, the one who is fully or truly God and truly man. Why does God or why does Christ have to be both of those things in order for forgiveness to work, in order for God to be both just and the justifier? Well, let's start with the, our Christ's human nature. God himself, as the three-in-one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, uh, the source and author of life, God himself cannot die in his divine nature. It's impossible for God to die. In order for God to die, God the Son must add to himself a human nature that is capable of dying. The wages of sin is indeed death. And in order for that payment to be made, someone has to die for that sin. That sin must be punished. And it is punished in the person of Jesus Christ as he adds to himself a human nature. But it goes even more than just that. Christ doesn't just add himself a human nature, but he must also be sinless, without sin. For if Christ had committed sins, if he was born into sin, as we are, then his death would only serve to pay the penalty due for our sin. And so Christ, in order to die, had to add to himself a human nature. And uh, in order to bear our sins, he had to be sinless in that human nature, so he doesn't have to pay for his own sin, and in order to die in our place as a substitute for us, as the head, the representative of our human race, he had to be one of us. He had to be from the line of Adam. Right, so just like we all fell into sin through Adam, he is our head, he is the leader, and in him we inherit our sinful nature and we choose to sin, that in Christ, the second Adam, we now all inherit his forgiveness. And he stands as our representative head in our place upon the, Christ, the cross, that he can be the substitute, the representative of humankind. And we call this penal substitutionary atonement. Christ takes the penalty. He bore the wrath of God for our sins, that he um, is able to be our substitute, substitutionary, that he has stood in our place. And by doing that, he brings forgiveness, atonement. We are now brought back together to God through the work of Christ. So that is why Christ had to be man. Why did he have to be God? Well, one, he had to be God because if he was only a mere man, if Christ was only a mere man, he could give his life if he was sinless. He could give his life maybe for one other person. He could exchange his life. He could stand in the place of a loved one or a friend, and he could offer his sacrifice for that. But even that may not be enough. Because think back, what we talked about here. We have sinned against an eternal, infinite God. The penalty due is an eternal punishment, an infinite punishment due for our sins. How does God, or how does Christ able to die for the sins of many, not just one, but also exhaust the wrath of God, do, uh, do the punishment for sinning against an eternal and infinite God? Well, in order for that to happen, in order for the wrath of God to be satisfied for the sins of men who have sinned against an infinitely perfect God, he must also be God. So it's not just a human who dies upon the cross or who offers atonement, but it is the God-man. 
who's fully God and fully man. Now those natures don't mix, they don't combine, but they are found in the same person. And therefore the blood of Jesus is powerful. It is worthwhile because it is the blood of the Son of God, the Eternal One. So much so that he could bear the full wrath of God, do for the sins of his people, and fully satisfy the justice of God. So when we're looking for solutions to our problem, our moral problem, at the heart of that is the wages of sin is death. God's wrath rests upon that, hangs over our sins, and someone has to pay for it. And the Christian worldview acknowledges the problem is moral. It acknowledges that justice is a good thing and forgiveness is a good thing. And they only truly can meet at the cross of Jesus Christ. That God is both just and the justifier for Jesus, or through Jesus Christ and those who have faith in him. That we are united with Christ. We are found in him. He gets our sin and we get his righteousness. He gets our sin. He takes the wrath of God and then he gives us his righteousness and his Holy Spirit, so that we are being changed degree by degree into the image of our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's the good news of the gospel. It's a problem. There's a moral issue that must be dealt with. It can only be dealt with through the eternal wrath of God being poured out upon sin. That sin is addressed in the person, in the work of Jesus Christ, and you have mercy and justice coming together. God does not wink at sin. He punishes it. And every sin will be punished, whether it be punished by uh, being laid upon Christ, or as individuals, we bear that in eternal damnation in hell. That's the gospel. Every sin will be judged. Either Christ will take the punishment, or you will. And in Christ, then the, the sin is punished. God is just, but he's also the justifier that those who believe in Christ are made righteous. They are made just. This is at the heart of the Christian worldview. We live in a moral universe, and the only solution is the God-man, Jesus Christ, who came to earth as one of us, died in our place, bore the wrath, rose again in victory, and thus disarmed the authorities and put them to open shame. And now we're going to look in our next episode at how that has a universal impact. Just as the fall was universal, so is the salvation offered in Christ. I encourage you to like, comment, and share this video as we continue to build that Christian worldview one brick at a time.